Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 20 Preview. Oh, we're getting close to finals. You can just about taste it. Epic games every week. Uh, what a rip snorter that was between Collingwood and Port Adelaide. And of course, uh, a beautiful weekend last weekend capped off by being able to sit there and watch it pelting down in Manchester as uh, Australia retained the ashes. We all got to stick it up Piers Morgan by Twitter for a couple of days. As I said, a very big hello to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Rodney Eade. How are you, Rocket? Hi, Rowan. Yes, it was a good weekend with the rain. Um, just admit, uh, must admit, Australia were very poor in the chess match, weren't they? They seemed to have no answers and uh, and got very defensive. But uh, it was good to retain the ashes and it was good to see the English at their best sport, which is whinging. Um, <laughs> uh, they were at that peak. Uh, uh, that was that was good to see. But it was a great round of footy last week and as we spoke about last week, but uh, was five of the eight games were were really pivotal and uh, met three three games under a goal. So 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 it was a great round. What uh, by my measure, that Collingwood Port game was clearly the match of the season. Do you reckon that's the best game we've had this this year? Yeah, no doubt. I think it had everything that finals footy, apart from the closeness, but the toughness. I think the weather probably helped a little bit, but uh, both adapted to it really well. Um, some really heroic efforts and. No, I know goals and that, but just some physicality at times with that body on the line. Um, you know, you now tactically as well, there's you now some good elements. I thought Port structured up really well. I, I think they were a bit unlucky to lose. That it's people talk about the goals that only a kick, but two of those goals were from bad mistakes from Port Adelaide. Jones kicked that one out on the four, which he had no one around, just panicked, mm. and that's the Josh Daigle's goal. And then the Elliott one, where where Kane Farrell deliberately ran that out of out of bounds, like he knew it was going to happen, like he just had to do it better. And they still had a chance in the end. And Kane Farrell dropped that mark forty out, kicked the ball to sixty. He he had a bit of a panic panic attack as well. So I know everyone's going to say big moments or whatever, but it but it certainly showed me the way that Port went about it. That they can be. I reckon when you get matches that are, are that tough in those conditions, and you, you still see. And given you've just talked about some errors, but I thought the skills under that sort of pressure were a standout. And that, to me, is why those two teams are the best we've seen in 2023. Uh, plenty to discuss on that front and uh, some more big games this week to preview. Let's get stuck into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, let's get stuck into some news. We've got uh, tribunal stuff. We've got uh, big names re-signing. But I must doubt what the news story of the week was in footy terms, Rocket. And it was the uh, shock revelation that Tom Brown has resigned as Channel 7 Chief Football Reporter and is going to do video content for some financial group, his dad's chairman. Or uh, No, look, I must I hasten to add here, no disrespect to Tom Brown. Good on him and... Uh, a bold move, changing uh, career direction. But what I can't work out is why that was actually for several hours on Tuesday, the wheat story on the Herald Sun website, and then equally picked up by the age. What is going on, Rocket? Why have the newspapers turned into TV Week? Uh, yeah, I think you're right there, TV Week. I was, now I was looking for the thing, but the media reporting on the media, and that's, that's what they do instead of the 
yeah, yeah, Tom's done a great job and obviously, but as you would know, the like in the football club world, uh, the media world just move on. That one person goes goes and someone replaces and they just keep going. So I don't think it was uh, only, I suppose, a massive uh, news story, but they it must have been a slow day. Must have been nothing on. <laughs> so that, that, let's make that a headline. I hope so. Well, let's uh, let's talk about some real stuff uh, at the tribunal. Willie Rioli, the uh, original two-game suspension to him for a bit of a uh, slap on um, Nathan Murphy of Collingwood reduced to one game from two, uh, the grading low instead of medium. Uh, that fair enough in your book? Yeah, it's fair enough. Like, you can't do that, but it was an open hand. Murphy took a dive. I reckon like Ainsworth, he should have got fined for diving. Uh, I think he's got a history of that. It's at least his second, maybe his third, where he's just uh, accentuated any movement uh, when he's been contacted. But uh, yeah, I think I think one's fair. I think that's okay. All right, uh, two significant re-signings. Uh, I think we should talk about one: Taylor Walker, who is thirty-three, turns thirty-four early next season. He's just had his contract with Adelaide extended for a seventeenth season. He was absolutely done and dusted probably, what, three years ago. He's kicked 54 goals this season, second behind Charlie Curnow in the uh, Coleman medal. Uh, very much of the running for All-Australian selection. Uh, he's kicked 590 goals in 255 games. I was thinking watching him, um, in fact, I was boundary side for that Adelaide-Melbourne game. I reckon he, I know Buddy Franklin's good. I reckon Taylor Walker is the best field kick for a big player I've seen in my time watching footy. What do you reckon? I've no doubt about that. Um, and on both feet, his left foot kick is just fantastic, especially on the, on the turn when he, he swivels and then he goes and just, he kicks it 55, 60 and just hits the target or hits a goal. He, he just fantastic. But as you said, I think it's due credit to him that. He was gone three or four years ago. So at 30 years of age, most players don't improve. Uh, now, they might hold their, their you know, their high level, uh, but he really dropped off. And now he's come back and he's a really bold to play. If the football has improved, which it has, for him to get better at that age at 30, last year or this year, 32 or 33 years, it's a real credit to him. Um, obviously, he kept himself reasonably fit, but he's... His reflexes haven't gone. He's, he's marking well. He's kicking goals. He's still got West Coast to come. So he kicked 10 against him last time. Can he kick another 10? Uh, which gives him a chance for the Coleman. But uh, he certainly had a great career. The other re-signing of uh, major consequence announced on Tuesday was that of Essendon defender Mason Redmond, who was set to become a restricted Re-agent and uh, Adelaide, from all accounts, pretty keen on getting the South Australian native back in his home state. But Essendon have uh, stared down that challenge and Redmond has re-signed with the Bombers for five years. So given he's 25, you'd think, well, in terms of going to another club, that might just about see him out. Uh, he's played 98 games to the Bombers thus far, fourth in the best and fairest last year. But that in itself, Rocket doesn't really do justice to his importance to that side. In a, in a club that's been pretty bereft of natural leaders, uh, he definitely is one. He's the heart and soul of not just that defence, but I'd, I'd suggest at times the entire team plays with a real you know, passion and spirit. I think the Bomber fans love him. And just from every point of view, every box you want to tick off in terms of importance of players, 
it was absolutely essential that he didn't uh, jump ship. So Essendon, understandably, absolutely buoyant about uh, getting him on a five-year deal. It's a bit of a coup for him, I reckon. Do you agree? Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Is I think with him, the whole is greater than some of the parts. As you mentioned, his leadership, his his direction, his over, his enthusiasm, his uh, the way he carries himself. Apart from his play, no, his football play or output has gone to another level this year. Um, now he's now he probably held it together and fit the last couple of years when they've been when they've been struggling. Um, but yeah, he he was a key signing, and I think him. Signing now, and I don't know what sort of money he's he's got, but obviously he would have got more in Adelaide. Um, but doing it this early and not trying to play um, one against the other shows his character and shows he wants to be there. If he's if he's well enough compensated and he's got the right idea and he's got idea about culture and he and both the club, I think it's a great signing. But it's, I think it shows a lot about him as well. I reckon uh, Brad Scott would be as pleased about it as anyone. As a, as a coach, were you always very conscious of keeping a group of senior players together around whom a whole list can be put together? And, you know, when you think about the great eras we've seen in the 21st century, you know, uh, Geelong, Hawthorne, you know, even Sydney right through it, it's always revolved around a core of sort of four or five leaders who end up playing virtually their whole careers together, doesn't it? It does. And I think that's that's quite vital. And it doesn't have to be sometimes players don't have to be the best player or even the best four to five players either. It's just what they can offer otherwise as in leadership and direction and and the role they play and the position they are then is quite vital uh, really adds to adds to the group. And um, I think all premiership sides or teams that are successful have got that core. And um and I think, you know, Essendon have struggled the last couple of weeks and it'd be disappointing though, not disappointing last week. But you, you can see what they're building. They're still a youngish side. And I think a, a player like Redmond is very Well, Kerry uh, for the Bombers, no doubt. Well, let's finish off this new segment. We're going to uh, do something a little bit different. There's five rounds left. We're all looking at the runs home. Who's going to make the eight? Who isn't? So, Rocket, you and I have jumped on the AFL ladder predictor. That is sponsored by someone. Everyone's sponsored by someone those days, but we won't give them the credit of naming him. We've jumped on the ladder predictor and worked out who we think is going to finish top eight. Uh, I'll run through mine, and then you run through yours, and let's compare notes. So my final eight predicted, uh, I should put a little asterisk here too. Boy, I'd like to be wrong. Um, I've got Collingwood finishing on top. I've got Brisbane finishing second. I've got them just leapfrogging Port Adelaide uh, on percentage, which is a fair bit better than the Powers. I've got Melbourne fourth. Fifth, I've got the Western Bulldogs. Sixth, I've got Geelong. Seventh, oh boy, just going to upset a few people. I've got Carlton. And eighth, I've got your boys, GWS. I've got Essendon missing out on the finals by percentage. Geez, that'll go down well. I've got Richmond tenth. Adelaide 11th, St Kilda 12th, Sydney 13th, etc., etc. Give us your top eight in the first few teams beyond that. I'm going to say, more than any other season, this is so difficult. Normally by now, certainly seven are, are in a set, yeah. and maybe eight are just about set. Well, you're probably yeah. five a set, I reckon. And even then, the Bulldogs, if they have a bad run, could miss. So I've gone Collingwood, I've gone Port, 
they've got a big one this weekend against Adelaide if they win that. I think they can hang on. I know their percentage is a fair bit smaller than uh, uh, Brisbane. Brisbane third, Melbourne fourth, Bulldogs fifth, got Geelong sixth, a Giants seventh. And I have got, albeit with a poor percentage, so that might cost them is Essendon at eight because of the easy draw of the bat. But easily, I'm worried about Carlton because they're injuries at the moment. I just don't know when they'll get back. I think that'll hurt them. So if, if it happened last week and they had where they are and they hadn't had injuries, I'd probably get them in. But I just don't know if they will. I don't think Richmond will. Um, so it's between uh, between Essendon and Carlton, and I've just gone <laughs> the old foe. I've gone Essendon. Well, uh, I don't know. Essendon limping into the eight and getting destroyed in an elimination yeah, final. That's, that's dangerous. It's got a it's got a certain uh, tone of familiarity about it. Let's just talk about those two teams' runs home. So Carlton have got Collingwood, obviously a massive clash this week. They've got St Kilda at Marble Stadium. They've got Melbourne at the MCG. You've got Gold Coast at uh, Carrara, and they've got GWS at Marble Stadium. Uh, so. Of their remaining five games, four of them are, are against sides in the eight. So it could be right there. Not an easy draw at all. Essendon, uh, let's have a look at the Bombers' draw. They have got uh, this week, um, obviously, pretty big clash against Sydney on Saturday night at Marvel Stadium. Then gets a little bit easier. West Coast and North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. Mind you, they nearly lost to the Roos first time. They've got GWS at Giants Stadium and Collingwood at the MCG. So, yeah, gee, even, even the remaining games for either side are sort of about the same, aren't they? There's the same yeah. amount of challenges for both. And it, yeah, and and the Giants play, their last two games play Essendon and Carlton. And I think the Giants have got a solid draw as well. The Giants could miss, even though I wrote that, that, that they've got a really solid draw. You want to read that out. But yeah. they play Essendon and Carlton, which can be really disappointing uh, for the eight. All right, let's have a look at the Giants' run home. There, there are a lot of these sort of, uh, what do you call, throat-cutting games where contenders are playing each other. So the Giants have got uh, Western, here's one of them, Western Bulldogs this week in Ballarat. They've got Sydney. They've got Port Adelaide in Adelaide. They've got Essendon at home, and they've got Carlton Marvel Stadium. So um, I don't know why we bothered talking about finals wildcards because we've got about five weeks of finals wildcard rounds, really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's really going to be right down to the wire. It'll be down from maybe the last game of the of the season, which is uh, which could be uh, Carlton and GWS. So uh, the, the funny thing is I think it's all window dressing because I don't think any of these teams could win the premiership, but that might be a discussion for next week. All right, they're our top eights. Uh, send all complaints to Rodney Ead uh, at um, widgefest.com. A uh, cricket team. <laughs> yeah, send, actually, don't send it to Rocket. Send it to Piers Morgan via Twitter. Oh, what a flog. Um, all right, a big round to preview. Let's get stuck right into it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 20 kicks off with an absolute... Bumper clash this Friday night, seven fifty PM, MCG, Hollywood v Carl. Where would you rather be? Well, probably in front of your TV at home with a nice cheeky red this time of year. But uh, 
Either way, I think there's going to be so many people watching this game. Let's have a look where both teams are situated. The Pies, of course, on top of the ladder, 16-2 and two after that epic win over Port Adelaide by just two points last week. The Blues are ninth with nine wins, eight losses, and a draw after a 71-point demolition over West Coast. They've won five games in a row now. And the Pies and the Blues shape up against each other. Well, Collingwood have won eight of nine clashes against Carlton since 2018. Last time they met was back in round 10. And uh, it was a pretty efficient sort of win by Collingwood by 28 points. At the MCG, well, so the Pies happy hunting ground, no doubt. 22 wins from 26 games since the start of last year. Carlton of the MCG, uh, they've very poor on this ground. They've only won one out of nine games, but have now won their last two there with absolute romps against uh, first Gold Coast. And then Hawthorne, um, some personnel issues, which probably could just about determine your tip. But um, off the bat, Rocket, how do you see this one? Um, off the bat, you've uh, intimated. I think it's going to come down to the injuries. I think uh, at some stage, you think Collingwood are going to have a downer. Um, this, after last week, was a real chance. But with so many players in doubt or injured, especially Walsh from last week, Kai's still at it. Having said that, Kuno says, who's playing better without him there? Um, but Carlton are, are, are really, uh, have really jumped up in the way they're playing. They're really playing aggressive footy, but aggressive with the ball. Uh, they're, they're full of momentum rather than trying to save the game and go sideways. And teams who do that in today's footy, Really going nowhere, uh, but they've changed their style, which is a real credit to them. Uh, they can, you know, their contest is good, but Cripps didn't play last week, and Shira didn't play, and they had no, and they had no trouble. But if they don't play this week, that's really going to hurt them against Collingwood. So they, they, so I think they're in real trouble. Well, let's look at the two sides because there's a massive contrast in the respective health of both Collingwood's injury list is the best it's been all season. There's only two guys on it. Charlie Dean, who's been out all season with a foot injury, and Finn McRae, who uh, broke his thumb in the VFL, and he'll be out for a month. But Hoskin Elliott now available after recovering from a broken hand. So almost an entire list available. In massive contrast, the Blues, well, they've lost Sam Walsh for at least the next fortnight with a a low-grade hamstring strain. Uh, Silvani... Uh, he's going to miss, I think, at least three weeks. There is some hope he'll be back, but he's got a knee injury, which will keep him out for a few weeks. And uh, still facing tests to get back are skipper Paddy Cripps and crucial midfielder um, Adam Chera. So, so much, really. And, and in fact, you'd say almost, given Walsh is out as well, I reckon if Chera and Cripps can't both get up, it's pretty hard to see him having much chance at all. That's in the lap of the gods, I guess. What I did want to ask you about was it's easy to put two and two together and get 68, I think, looking at Carlton's forward setup um, without Harry Mackay. But you can't escape it, can you? Well, Kurnow just seems to have had a bit more room and is a bit more energised as a result. And the whole forward structure seems to have been straightened up a little by Mackay not being there. No, I agree. I think when Mackay comes back, and he probably won't be back this year, perhaps he's got to play the high forward role. Perhaps he's got to play the Jeremy Cameron role uh, rather than be close to goal. I know you want to call him, but, he, he, but you can't trust him. Uh, he shots a goal, one, and two, he crowds Kurnow. So Kurnow's the man who's in maybe even Mackay or the 50. 
and and the Mackay can play that high forward that can get up to the back line uh, and then really run back and, and use his athleticism, which would be a real worry for teams, but don't crowd Kerno space. So I think there's a role there for him. If I was Carlton, and here's a big statement, I would look at trading him. I would, I would, I would, he's, he's got peak value. Um, they're paid there, so it gets a bit of a mess. Eight, supposedly. Um, but 800,000, whatever he's on, I'd, I'd be, it'd be suitors for it. You know, you'd be able to get some really good. But now, yeah, listen, you talk to some cult greats, and I say, no way, you should ever do that. But that's in today's cut and thrust for you. You've got to, um, it's a bit like the EPL in many ways. You, you know, not as bad, but you've got to look for the future as well. You can't be stuck with players down the track who, um, I'm not saying he's going to be one of these that don't offer you a lot, but pay a lot of money. So, um, so I'd certainly investigate it. Ask Carl. I think that's one of those things that you talk about in philosophical terms. Yeah, but you don't. But you don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it, what you're saying makes sense. There's no question about that. But who? Let, let's let's get real about this. Which club, when push comes to shove, has actually been that bold? as to trade out someone as important to their whole yeah. structure as a key forward are still at the peak of their powers. No, they won't. No, no, no you're right. No, I mean, it's just uh, uh, clickbait if that's the right phrase, but it, it, it's certainly worth thinking about. And if you, th- they would think they're, they've said it for five years there, that they're coming, something's brewing, and, and next is going to be the year. But in two or three years' time, and they don't, and then they're old and they fall off the cliff like some teams have done. They haven't prepared for the future. This is a good opportunity, I think, to and at least investigate internally. Huh. Something's brewing. Something's cooking. That's about 2000 it was it? Yeah. I'd say it off pretty quick. Well, I was going to say, I hope it's a bottle of red, in which case it might have matured nicely because if it's your average, I don't know, stew or something like that, it'd be absolutely rancid by now. Okay. Um <laughs> It's, see, it's great, isn't it? The whole concept of list management. You can talk about it. Uh, when it comes to actually doing it, completely different ball gut. All right, uh, we need to tip. Uh, massive game, this. Um, are you tipping Carlton or Collingwood? Oh, Collingwood by 35 points. Ooh. Okay. Bit of a- and I think it showed last week, and uh, some football experts, uh, we were commenting about uh, weeks ago about you can't tag day cost. Shows you have to. You can't let him run around. Will and Drew did a good job last tweak. Minimise his effect. He's still a good player, but he's not the dominant player. So I think what Port did last week is their whole tactics was a, is a blueprint for the, for the rest of the comp. Willem who? <laughs> Willem Drew. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right, I'm going through. I reckon Carlton, I don't know. It's just something about Carlton Collingwood. They, they nearly upset him twice last year. Epic games. Not so much earlier this year. I, th- I think Chera and Cripps will be back, and from that point of view, I reckon the Blues can really push them. I'm still going for the Pies, though, by six points. First cab off the rank on Saturday afternoon is down at the Cattery. GMHBA Stadium sees Geelong take on Fremantle, 145 Saturday afternoon. The Cats are eight, clinging onto a spot in the eight now after a, an 11-point loss to Brisbane last week. Fremantle... What a shocking season the Dockers have had. They are 15th on the ladder now. Just seven wins after a 29-point loss to Sydney. They've lost six of their last seven games. Geelong versus Fremantle. The Cats have won six of the last nine against the Dockers since 2016. And they are 
didn't beat Frio last time because that was over in Perth round 10 when the Dockers were actually looking vaguely okay. 29-point loss. Seems an eternity ago now. Geelong at the Cattery have won 29 of their last 34. As we know, it's very intimidating territory. Fremantle down there have only won four games and lost 15. Their last visit, though, was last year, and they did win uh, an epic contest down there by three points in round seven. Uh, boy, it's a, a different sort of uh, scenario this year for the Dockers, though. Um, it's how far the Cats this time, wouldn't you think? Ah, oh, for sure. They would have been disappointed last week, though, the Cats, especially their first half, where they couldn't get a goal and their midfield really struggled. Um, you know, they, you know, they really battled. But they had a good fight in the Good, you know, good fight in the end. No, I think the scoreboard flattered them, but only 11 points. And they defended really well. They you know, kept themselves in the game. But down at uh, down at Geelong, you know, Fremantle was so, you know, as I said last week, you wouldn't back them with bad money. They are really flaky, really. Or I reckon a great indication that is Andrew Brayshaw, who's a terrific player and a terrific young man. Great season last year, but he's playing more outside this year. That's on his go. He's such a good editor. And there's a really good vision of him last week, just sort of playing as a defensive mid. He's played 30, 20, 30 metres off the contest, protecting, or supposedly protecting, um, uh, you know, the goal area, or you know, forward of, of the contest for the opposition. But he's a half out of nowhere. That's on his go. He's a leader. He needs to get him up. So they, the whole scope of their team has changed. They are really disappointing. Um, and if all of them had won last week, I reckon all of them were a chance to actually replace them on the ladder, you know, switch spots. But, uh, no, I can't see them winning the Cats for me. Well, Fremantle, uh, you know, the one thing that was really strong for them last year uh, was the defensive stuff, and that's where it's really come apart for them. The, the real danger sign here in terms of getting blown away is that they've officially basically pulled the pin on the season with both Nat Fife and Sean Darcy to undergo surgery. Fife actually bring forward a finger operation that was planned for after the end of the season. So uh, when you've basically written the season off and there's still five games left, that's a pretty bad sign, I reckon. Uh, Will Brody's still a week away. Brennan Cox, a couple of weeks away. Uh, Nathan O'Driscoll, uh, test on his calf. Um, season for Brandon Walker with that knee injury. So, yeah, two, 2023, absolute disaster for the Dockers. Geelong, personnel-wise, uh, could regain two premiership players, Gary Rowan and uh, Jed Buse set to return. Um, Buse got to get through a training session. Rowan was a late withdrawal against Brisbane because of an ankle, but he's okay. And good news to them too, Camp Guthrie closing in on a return from that uh, turf toe that has ruined most of his season. So um, a state all could be better on the personnel front. The Cats, uh, yeah, they win this one by a lot, I reckon. Well, a lot, um, being, yeah, I'm conservative. I'm going to go to Geelong by 40 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm conservative. Uh, 59 points. Oh, they are out on a win. 59 points. Uh, all right. Uh, in either case, a comfortable victory to the Cats. All right, let's talk about our next game, which is on Mars. Ah, uh, that old Mars gag never fails to get a rice rocket. <laughs> I know, it's sad really, isn't it? But uh, there we go. Mars Stadium, Ballarat, one forty-five Saturday afternoon for the Western Bulldogs up against GWS. The Bulldogs, 
fifth on the ladder now with 10 wins and eight losses after a pretty impressive win over Essendon by 41 points last week. GWS inside the eight with also 10 wins after a efficient enough disposal of Gold Coast by 40 points and the Giants have won six games in a row. Uh, Bulldogs v GWS, of course, uh, that memorable 2016 preliminary final. We kept talking about that, though. The Bulldogs have won the last five clashes between these two. GWS's last win over the Dogs, in fact, was a final, the 2019 elimination final. Uh, they've already met once this season. The Bulldogs won that one by 15 points in Canberra in round eight. Uh, the Bulldogs on Mars. Uh, they're better on Jupiter, but uh, they're okay on Mars. They've won seven, lost three. And did beat Adelaide there earlier this year in round 10 by 45 points. Uh, the Giants have only played there once uh, against Gold Coast, funnily enough, in that COVID-afflicted period. And uh, they lost that game by a point. I remember watching that. I thought, footy doesn't get any weirder in this cold midwinter's day in Ballarat watching Greater Western Sydney play Gold Coast. Strange times that was. But uh, anyway, they've played there once for one loss. Um, both these sides looking pretty good, Rocket. This is actually a really, really good game, isn't it? Um, the Mars factor, I think, is actually important because the Giants have only played there once and you can almost back it in, they will be challenging conditions. How big a factor is that for you? Uh, I think it's a big factor because uh, uh, because the dogs have played there so much and they know, know the wind, obviously it's going to be windy, always is. The only up, uh, only counter that is that their form away from home, except against the West Coast Eagles, has been fantastic for the Giants. Now, they beat Geelong and Geelong. Um, they, they've had some really good wins away. Um, and I, you know, they, and, and in Adelaide, they won. They beat Adelaide. So, they, now, they travel well. Uh, they've got uh, a really tight group. Taylor's an absolute star in defence. Um, like, he, he yeah, yeah, you can put it in the bank, he's going to beat Norton. Like he just, he's intercepts, he spoils. He's just, he, to be taken to pick 28 in the draft, what, a, what an unbelievable pick that was. Um, so I think I think full credit to the Giants recruiting team to be able to get a player like that. Their midfield, Toby Greenway knows the star. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries during the year. They're just starting to get them all back now. Um, but I just, because it's at Ballarat, I just got a feeling that I think the dog's in a close one. Let's just talk about personnel. Um, it's a pity this game isn't another week down the track because, uh, from an availability point of view for the Giants because if it were, Tom Green would be available and uh, Jesse Hogan probably would as well. Uh, Lockie Keefe faces a test to get back for them. Uh, but, yeah, it's sort of like one of those games where you pretty much need all hands on deck and Tom Green in midfield sense is certainly the... Uh, the icy on the cake for them, you'd think. Uh, for the Bulldogs, one long-term absentee set to be available is Jason Johannes, and he's been out since round 10 with a fairly serious hammy, but he is right to go. Uh, the others are more peripheral. Though William Jones, still to come back from that broken arm, could be any time in the next couple of weeks, and that would be a pretty handy return for them too. I, I was at that game last Friday night, rocket up close, and personal one and uh look they were my flag tip they're they're strong um they're experienced when they get their ball movement happening and that's been their midfield's been a bit disappointing as a group this year but i think they sort of 
are starting to hit their straps. Libertore's season's been underrated, I think. And Bontempelli is just a superstar. He's now at that stage where he can um, really, you know, sort of single-handedly turn the course of a game by imposing himself on the game. That, to me, is a sign of a great captain. I think he is one of the great captains uh, in the modern game, Bontempelli. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And I reckon if he could kick for goal a little bit better, that's a... Like, he's probably a 9.5 player and a 5.9 shot at goal. Um, he kicks it around a corner fantastic and way... He, like, if he could... It's a big statement, too, but if he could just convert at 65 70% of his set shots, I reckon he'd be a better player than Ted Britton. I reckon he'd be the number one player for the Bulldogs of all time. He is. Right. Yeah, he, and people are talking about that, but... At the moment, I, I probably just he just doesn't convert enough uh, for goal, but that's been a bit harsh on him. Like he's a super player, he's leader, his leadership this year, he's carried the side a fair bit. You now that except for Libba, they haven't had much in the midfield to support him, um, but he's been a, he's been a fantastic player. But uh, yeah, with those injuries as well, they're not back for the Giants. So I just go I need the dog to win by five points. I'm just going to do my tabloid news thing here as a former coach of the Western Bulldogs claims that a current player could be even better than Ted Witten. That is a massive call, Rocket. Yeah, go with it. <laughs> what you will. Uh, you're angling for a job of pretty classified, I could tell. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I think the Bulldogs get it done here too. But uh, we know how competitive the Giants have been. Only one of their losses by any more than 21 points. I keep trotting that out but it's a pretty remarkable record isn't oh, it? it's fantastic well yeah. these days you know in a 23 game season there's normally a one or two games where a side gets taken apart but they have been week to week remarkably competitive even in defeat and uh, yeah. absolute tribute to Adam Kingsley it's been a wonderful debut and I think Kingsley. they'll rue the day and we can come back to it nobody talks about it losing to West Coast oh, in Perth no, round two I like uh, that's total aberration only lost 19 points. That's one of the 21 point list. But you know, that that was a shocking that was a shocking day. They win that, and they're just virtually entrenched in the eight. Okay, I think of one other result like that. It was the opening round of 2006 when Essendon beat Sydney. Essendon went on to virtually or that close to a wooden spoon, and Sydney was uh, lost a grand final by one point. I look back at that game and think, how did that happen? <laughs> Uh, all right, give us a margin for the Western Bulldogs. Uh, five points. Five points. Uh, I'm going to go, yeah, a little bit more than that. I might go Western Bulldogs by 16 points. <laughs> a Q clash. Um, a big uh, calling card for footy fans in Queensland. Uh, maybe this time not so much people outside Queensland. It's on Saturday at 4.35pm at Heritage Bank Stadium, previously known as Metricon Stadium, previously, previously known as Carrara. Gold Coast are 14th on the ladder with 8 wins, 10 losses after uh, losing to the Giants last week by 40 points. Brisbane are third, 13-5 after a, uh, well in the end, hard-fought 11-point win over Geelong. Against each other, Brisbane... Uh, one-way traffic, really. Brisbane have won the last nine clashes against the Suns. The Gold Coast's last win over Brisbane was back in 2018. What about at Heritage Bank Stadium? Gold Coast had nine wins and seven losses on their home deck since the start of last season. Brisbane, since 2017, have had seven wins on the Gold Coast and three defeats. So 
they go okay there as well. In fact, we're going to go through personnel and then I'll throw it to you. Pretty short injury lists of both for Gold Coast. Uh, Lockie Weller had his second knee reconstruction in two years uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. So good luck in your recovery, Lockie. Joel Jeffrey, the only other sort of senior injury for the Suns. Um, so they've said three weeks for that foot injury for about 20 weeks. He won't play again this year. Uh, Brisbane, uh, Zach Bailey trained lightly early in the week. Still a chance to face Gold Coast this week. More likely to be next week. Noah Answorth, uh still a couple of weeks away. And uh, Will Ashcroft, of course, the big one there. Um, Got to have uh, knee Rico after an ACL. Uh, really shocking luck. He's, uh, he's been such a, a, a great revelation this season. But um, hats, uh, hats off to him for that and good luck in his recovery. But overall, both sides uh, uninjured at least. Uh, there's only one way this one can go, Rocket, isn't there? One team has something to play for a one team. It's uh, season over and they don't even have a coach. Yeah, uh, but there is a little bit of rivalry. I know probably south of the board and no one really realises that, but they were just point last week, the Suns. Um, I think with Ashcroft out, Bailey not available, it just exposes their midfield a little bit. I don't think I don't think the Suns are going to win, but I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think uh, Rao last week had a down day. Anderson didn't have his normal um, explosive game. He got a few possessions. He got Miller out wits. Oh, I... But they won't be able to stop uh, you know, the Lions in the forward line. Uh, but you know, we still talk about the Lions being a bit flaky when they're away from home, but they've proved that they're not as much this year. They've you know, got a bit of a steal about them. I don't think it'll be a, a cakewalk, but uh, I think, yeah, obviously the Lions are going to win this one. I can't get this image out of my head, and it was of a promo for a Q clash with the coaches Chris Fagan and Stuart Dew, both posing in cowboy hats from memory. Um, how was how we're just trying to think back now? Who, uh, when you were coaching Gold Coast, who was coaching Brisbane then? Uh, I think it was my last year, it would have been Lippich. That okay, so did you what, what's the cheesiest promo you did? Uh, no, it didn't do anything close? really at all. There was a bit of angst. People, I remember one of them, Lippich wouldn't do one, so I don't know. Um, no, the no, I can't remember, I can't remember. Okay, might have been why you didn't stay Gold Coast coach. <laughs> Wasn't my doing. <laughs> You've got to do the promo stuff, mate. Don't shy away from it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's tip here. Brisbane by how far you think, but how much do you think? Uh, Brisbane by 25. 24. I'm going to go for um, eh, the home factor. Does that count for much? No, not much. I'm going to go for Brisbane by uh, 28. So we're pretty much on the same page there. Well, this one's pretty massive for the Bombers. Essendon taking on Sydney, 7.25 at Marvel Stadium Saturday evening. Essendon down to 11th now. Nine wins, nine losses after a disappointing performance against the Bulldogs. Lost by 41 points. And they've lost four of their last five games now. Sydney at 12th on the ladder, eight wins, nine losses and a draw. Did beat Fremantle by 29 points last week. Head-to-head, it's four and six. Sydney won six of 10 meetings since 2017. Last time they met was at the MCG last year when Essendon won by nine points. What about at Marvel Stadium? Well, uh, 
the Bombers have won nine and lost five at Docklands since the start of 2022. Uh, the Bulldogs' loss was their first loss there this year. Sydney, their record at Marvel's pretty good. They've won seven of their last ten. Um, I'm going to talk about injuries in a sec, but uh, without that knowledge, Rocket, what, what do you reckon here? Yeah, I think Sydney have uh, have got their mojo back a little bit. Um, Franklin, who I thought was just about over, I suppose you don't write over champion, but he's 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 shown a bit the last couple of weeks, but I, uh, which would cause an issue for the Bombers with Ridley out um, with his quad. So, and they're not that tall in defence either. But I think with Warner back last week, Lloyd back last week, they've just got their mojo back. They look as if they're running over the top of the ground pretty well. Uh, Gordon had a down day last week, and they still were able to win by five goals away in Perth. So um, I think things are looking on the up for Sydney. Um, now they've now they've gathered the troops pretty well, so I, I think it'll be a difficult game for the Bombers. So it'll be disappointing the last two weeks, as you said. They would, now they'll need to get the their midfield back. They're struggling there. And I think Phillips needs uh, help in the ruck you now. Obviously, it's a bad injury for Draper, so that's starting to wear them down as well. So I, th- I think Sydney will probably win this game. Uh, I tend to agree on all those points. And I think for Essendon, it's about availability, but it's also about some of the younger guys starting to fill pinch, I think. Uh, two in particular, Archie Perkins uh, and Ben Hobbs. I think they've both been really good this year, but uh, both really palpably struggled against the Bulldogs. But personnel too, it's sort of where that personnel is. Draper's absence, I think, becoming more of a, a factor as the weeks go on. Setterfield, that bigger midfield body, they've missed him. Um, Shield is going to miss again with that ongoing foot injury. In fact, I'll be surprised if we see him again this season. And in, in structural terms, and we talked about the importance of Mason Redmond, but Jordan Ridley is almost the key to how that Essendon defence sets up. So I think him not being there, it's just massive. I can't see Essendon's defence being nearly as organised and effective in terms of rebound if Ridley is not there peeling off and doing that intercept role he does so well. So it's a massive injury from that point of view. Uh, Sydney injury-wise, starting to look a bit better. Only a handful of unavailable key players now. Uh, a bit of a watch on Callum Mills after some soreness. And Buddy Franklin got a knock to the knee against Fremantle, but he's expected to play. And again, you know, without Ridley there, stretching the likes of Laverde, I just wonder if Buddy might have one big game against Essendon left in the locker before. Well, actually, speculation, Buddy may not hang up the boots. I'd be surprised if he played on, to be honest. But uh, maybe he's still got one um, stellar performance left in the locker. Uh, gee, it's starting to point to a Sydney win for me at a ground where, historically, they play pretty well. Um I'm going to put you on the uh, on the plank to walk the plank first. Who, who are you going with and by how much? Um, Sydney by 21 points. I just think they have too many guns that are all up and about at the moment. Well, that was very decisive. You didn't hesitate on that one at all. Uh, You've had a bit more respect for the ballers, Rocket. Come on. You've had a reasonable year. No, no, look, I, I agree. I think, um, uh, I don't know, Sydney been disappointing this year, but their best is still pretty good. And I think of them at Marvel. I, I reckon they're okay at Marvel. I, I think yeah, they do. Some, yeah, they've played some pretty decent footy there. I guess they're really starting to struggle. Um, and it's a massive game for them. The stakes could be higher. I just can't. I can't tip them. 
Uh, I'm going to go for Sydney to heartbreakingly, if you're a Bobber fan, win this one by two points. All right, uh, let's head west of the Victorian border and to a good old-fashioned showdown. I just want to burst into that song by the Johnny Showdown when I talk about Adelaide playing Port Adelaide. This time it is 7.40pm at Adelaide Oval on a Saturday evening. Always a big game. Unpredictable sometimes too. Adelaide, 13th on the ladder now. Eight wins and 10 losses after that. Uh, oh, I won't say heartbreaking, but four-point loss to Melbourne. Um, I was boundary side for that game. Gee, they, they were good in the last quarter. Seven goals absolutely came from the clouds, and they've done that a few times this year. Port Adelaide still bowling along second at 14-4 and four after uh, that game of the season against Collingwood, which they lost by two points. They have lost their last two games, however, the power. Head-to-head, this is um, we talk about great rivalries, Rocket. Here's the proof how good this one is. They've played 53 times since 1997 when Port came into the competition. Here's the scoreline. Adelaide, 26 wins. Port Adelaide, 27 wins. It's just neck and neck, always. And often when one side wins one of these two games a year, the other side gets them back for the other one. Last time they met, as I said, Adelaide came from behind with a big last quarter to beat Port by 31 points. What about Adelaide Oval? The Crows are 7 out of 9 there now after that loss to GWS last outing there. And Port have won 15 of their last 19. At the venue, um, some pretty significant injury news for the Crows, which I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, what do you reckon here? The Crows getting towards last chance saloon. For them, are they a chance? Yeah, I think they're a chance, even without Rankin. Uh, it, now, it gives them gives them an opportunity. It'll be interesting to see whether Laird gets back from his shoulder injury because um, he's such a good player. But they did really well last week to fight back. But they, again, the start of the game, they had 2-9, then they had 3-10 in scoring. Like, just got to convert. I mean, teams are missing goals, especially a talented team like Adelaide, and it costs them. It costs them really badly. I think they'll be up. This is their last chance, not only on the, on the table, but... They dislike Port Adelaide, so there's going to be a fair bit in it. Port, I, I feel for a bit, they they um, had players out against Carlton, got belted last week, they probably should have won. Now it puts them in threat for a top two spot for that home final, that first week of the home final. So they, I was going to talk about resting players today, like Dixon's really on one leg. They cannot afford to play Charlie Dixon the next five rounds have a week off and then play again. They've got to give him a break at some stage. I know it's not going to prove his league. I think apparently it's a PCL. But he, he gives him so much structure. He gives him just a contest. He, now, he's not measured in positions, but having him in the side, they don't want to go into a final series with him being more hampered than he is at the moment or not even playing. So they, they've got to judge that uh, going forward. But I think with the injuries to Adelaide um, and what Port have got to play for, I know Adelaide got a bit to play for, I think, I think Port can be going. Let's just talk about personnel. Um, shocking news for Nick Murray, uh, Adelaide key defender. Uh, I was right next to him when he came off, and he, he uh, it's a classic ACL thing, isn't it? He walked off, and you think, oh, he's walking, he might be okay. He's gone for a scan. Nah, he's going to be out for 12 months uh, after requiring a knee reco. So shocking luck for him. You mentioned Isaac Rankin. Um, there's no tender damage, which is good, but he's still going to miss up to a month. 
which makes you think if they're out of finals contention, why would you bother? You just put him on ice until next year. It's sad because he he was looking really dangerous in that game. He's a really good player. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it's sort of symptomatic of where the Crows are at. Might be over for this year, but I think the future is still pretty bright. This game, you hit the nail on the head there. All of a sudden, Port, however good they've been, they're a real chance of missing top two. And that could be the difference between having a realistic tilt at a premiership or not, a capacity to get two home finals, uh, leading to just the one trip to interstate to the MCG. So it's massive for them on that score. Injury-wise, uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones uh, expected to return from concussion this week. And sadly, uh, there is an addition to the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list, and it is Orazio Fantasia who can't get over his quad problem, Rocket, and who's a late scratching from the Sandful at the weekend. Um, I, think he's, um, I think he's Max. He's Max Gorn, I think. I think he's good. And like he, he, in all seriousness, like no, no it's a shame because he's been such a, you know, he looked such a promising player. I know it wasn't a long career, but he's had so many soft issues, and it just shows once you get multiple ones, not only affects you physically, but affects you mentally. You, know, you really start to, you really start to doubt yourself. I know we're having a bit of fun about about him, but it's a, it's a real shame. So, uh, he'd be he'd be probably struggling to continue his AFL career. I think. No, I agree. Um, all right, uh, so given the importance for the power, there's no buffer for them anymore. That They have to win. Uh, they will win, I think, and uh, I think they might win pretty well, actually. I reckon I was in the Adelaide rooms after the game, and I'm not having a go at them at all, but it just had that sort of... Resignation that that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they, they were, they were disappointed, but there was sort of like that. There were smiles and sort of like that. Well, you know, it's been a pretty good year, but we know the game's up. It just—I could be wrong, but it just had that feel about it. So. Uh, on, on that um, injury list, did, that, did they say about Rory Laird whether he'd be back? Uh, Rory Laird actually isn't mentioned on the injury list. Uh, so that means they're hiding it. <laughs> actually, it's a very good point, isn't it? How, how does one of the all arguably their most important player or one of their best couple of players not even end up on the injury list? Yeah, no, but. Um, Anyway, I think I'm like you. I think uh, I think the power will win. It'll be a tough tight game. They normally are. I know Adelaide won by 30 points last time, 31 points. But uh, I think uh, the power by 13 points. 13. All right. Well, here you go, Rocket. This will impress you. This conservative tipster. I'm going for Port Adelaide by 36 points. Wow. Do you think you're out limb there? <laughs> yeah. That power will break. It's big. <laughs> <laughs> That's a massive margin in the uh, Connolly margin lexicon. Hawthorne takes on St Kilda Marvel Stadium Sunday afternoon, one ten pm Rocket. It's a rematch of the 1971 Grand Final. <laughs> oh, I think of Hawthorne St Kilda, I immediately think of that game because it was a it was a very good Grand Final. It was, um, game. It was a tough game. Uh, asked Peter Hudson, who had half his ear dangling off as they came back into the rooms. Uh, Hawthorne, 16th on the ladder, five wins, 13 losses after a bit of a heartbreaker against Richmond. They lost by a point. They've lost three games by three points or less this season. The Hawks can't seem to win the close ones. St Kilda, somehow, a sixth on the ladder, and that is a bit disrespectful. Look, you've got to have the wins on the board to get there, but uh, it all seems to be off that stuff early in the season. They had 10 wins and eight losses. 
just got over the line against North Melbourne by eight points. Uh, took a big last quarter to do it. How these two go head to head? Uh, well, the Hawks won in round 11 against the Saints by 10 points. That was their first win over St Kilda since 2018. St Kilda had won the five before that. Uh, what about Marble Stadium? Hawthorne are two wins and one loss this year. St Kilda's home dick, of course. They have won. Actually, that's a weird thing, isn't it? St Kilda's home ground, but this is an away game for them. St Kilda have won 12 and lost 10 under the roof at Marvel since the start of last season. Uh, what do you reckon? Will, it, will last week's last second loss uh, aggravate Hawthorne enough to get them to pull it out here, or will it break them, Rocket? What do you think? Oh, I don't think it'll break them. I um, I think they can win this game. I think uh, they, now their ability to move the ball quickly, they look really good for three quarters. Obviously, they're inexperienced and... A uh, few things happen in the last quarter, which which is going to happen. I'll, I'll, if that happens two years down the track, you know, you'd be, uh, and they deserve to be criticised. But at the moment, it's just in a learning phase. Uh, Kilda would be a real worry for you know for Ross Lyle at the moment. You now the way they played the weekend and what they've done the last really the last month or so. Um, now they've hit a wall. Uh, they're struggling to kick goals. Struggling to move the ball. Uh, defensively, teams are working them out. So I I think the Hawks have shown a bit. Sicily back to his best last week. Their midfield's really good for a young midfield. Um, Will Days, you know, jumped up to be a really good player for them, even in the last quarter. And he did a couple of good things, except that last spoil where Baker skipped the goal. But he's gone back as the loose man. Um, so they're so entrusting in young player to do that as a spare player, which people would think is an easy role, but it's not um, to do it properly. So, no, I, th- I think they're in the, in the right path. They just need a forward uh, down the track. Yeah, rucks are a bit of an issue, but uh, overall, and that's where Marshall can, can be a dominant player. Marshall's a really good player for, for the uh, for the Saints. I think Finn McInnes will go probably to Sinclair, shut him down, um, and therefore when that St Kilda don't get their run, Steele's a good player, but he's he's a bit, bit he's a bit slow at pedestrian. I mean that he can't break the line. He's a tough player, but uh, I think uh, I think the Hawks can get the job done this one. The kids are good, aren't they? Uh, I was just thinking as you were talking, you had some of those young guys, you know, uh, Day, uh, Newcomb, yeah, Jack, who, who hasn't even played. Um, but there's a real, it sort of, it sort of reminds me a bit of the early years under Clarkson, you know, when they had Ruffhead and Franklin and Hodge, Lewis, et cetera. And you can see them emerging, even when they're not winning many games, you can see enough uh, really bright periods of footy to make you think this group has a, a real future. And um, gee, if I, I, yeah, I'd be really excited about the next few years if I was a Hawthorne supporter. I think they've done this really well. And it's vindication of what Sam Mitchell has done, making some bold decisions on talent, I think. Don't you? Do you think? Oh, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. And uh yeah, I mean, the midfield hasn't suffered with Mitchell and O'Meara not there. Um, it's other parts of the ground that they've got to get right. And I think it's able to give younger players more game time in the midfield with those two leaving. Um, so I think they've done it really well. Um, next year will still be a development year. They'll go to the draft again. And I think they're ahead of the curve of when Tasmania come in that most of their drafting or you know, their talent is going to be before the concessions come in. So I, th- I, th- I think they're out of the go. I think they're doing well. So, you know, I think it's a positive and um, I think they can win this week. 
we agree on on way too much. I think. <laughs> I, I I I don't know if that that I should feel good about that or you should be worried by that. <laughs> oh, I think you're a very sharp uh, person. Oh, I'm not worried at all. Yeah, thanks, Rocket. You can come back and do this next year. Um, having said all that, I, I, I still think St Kilda are, are six. You know, what's that phrase about possession, nine-tenths of a war? They're clingy on for dear life. One thing Ross Lyon teams do well is clingy on um, uh, like barnacles. Um, Personnel-wise, uh, a couple of guys could make different memory um, on track to be available after uh, missing some time now with a knee injury. So that would be important for them. Uh, won't have Brad Hill, though. He's been ruled out. He was taken to hospital after a, a big collision with Aidan Cool last week, bruising to his lung. Has been cleared of more serious issues, but uh, obviously won't play this week. I just, yeah, look, I, I rate, I think I'm, I'm more bullish about Hawthorne's long-term future, but just in the immediate term, I think this one's pretty, obviously pretty important for the Saints. They've got to win. I don't think that I don't think I'll be doing it by much though because uh, you can't kick goals. I'll be a new old draw. Now, I'm going to go for St Kilda by eight points. What do you reckon? Uh, Hawks by eleven points. All right. Going to be close either way, although we differ. On- Remember the last time they played that Sicily had a field day, mm-hmm. and the field day was able to. And so I would imagine Nosh Lyon won't allow him to do that again. But uh, yeah, I think that I think the Hawks can. Get- all right, uh, we'll see who is proving correct. All right, uh, let's go scoot across town to the MCG. Well, here's a battle of uh, traditional co-tenants. Richmond and Melbourne been sharing the MCG since the Tigers went there from Putt Road in 1965. And they meet in this Sunday afternoon clash, 3.20pm. Richmond are 10th on the ladder now, nine wins, eight losses and a draw. Uh, they've won six of seven after uh, just getting over the line against the Hawks by a point. Melbourne, they just got over the line against Adelaide by four points on Sunday afternoon. They're fourth on the ladder of the Ds, 12 wins, six losses. Um, and they just keep playing close games. Seven of their last 11 games have been decided by single-figure margins. And they've won four and lost three. Uh, how do these two go against each other? Their last 10 clashes have been split 5-5, five and five, although the Demons have won the last three, which have all been the uh, big Anzac Day Eve clashes. Richmond at the MCG, five wins, five losses and a draw this year. Uh, Melbourne, been a happier hunting ground for the Ds. They are nine wins from 10 games on the ground this year. I'll talk about personnel in a sec. Uh, what do you reckon here? Two sides that just got over the line against opponents are expected to win more easily against, I think it's fair to say. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a close game again. You know, I think uh, now I think Richmond players have got out, mentioned a few others, that they're doing a really good job of staying in games. They probably shouldn't have won last week. Um, and they still need to keep winning to make the eight. Um, I just think Melbourne will put the nail in their coffin. Um, I think you know, Pickett and uh, Petraco, Link Vine is really stepped up to cover. Uh, Oliver's out. Uh, Gordon in the ruck and has been the right move and was shown what a dominant player he is. They're very good in defence. They're very good. They've got a great system and they and they really work for each other. And 
teams do struggle generally to score against them. And we said that Rankin cut them a swathe a bit last week and got them got to Adelaide back in the game. But uh, no, I think uh, everything being considered, Melbourne had to keep winning, but to make sure top uh, top four was just about sewn up. Um, but I think in a close game, I think times. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, a two-game gap between them and the fifth-place side, so and their draw is pretty manageable. So you think they've basically locked up a double chance. It becomes about getting personnel back, but getting them on the park and getting them playing together too. And this is a worry with Oliver and Fritch. You talked about Oliver last week. He's still being listed as two to three weeks away. Bailey Fritch, foot injury, he's a minimum of four weeks away. So... Yes, they are coming back, but how much fit are they going to be and what sort of impact can they have? And they're two critical players to the structure, aren't they? I very much know. And not only coming back, they're coming into finals. Yeah. There's another step up of intensity. So um, I think it got to be harder for Frisbee to get away to Longo, uh, whether he's a sub or that sort of thing. And they're introducing Oliver. Oliver, to be able to have that impact that he has by his work rate and uh, he's not going to have that big uh, match fit this line so they need him back as soon as possible and he's in two to three weeks which is, which is a real worry for them so if they got another injury or two it'd really put them on the back foot so um, I think they've coped really well with them at that, without them at the moment um, now they're getting over the line they're winning which, which is great and now they've just got to manage to make sure they stay in a fourth spot and they play Collingwood first round in the finals so Richmond at this stage still ostensibly have some finals hopes. Are they realistic finals hopes, though, and is that enough to get them over the line in this game? Uh, oh, well, they're playing with plenty of spirit, so you wouldn't just scout them. There's no doubt about that. But I I don't think with their draw and uh, the way they're going on the weekend, it was really not a great performance, to be honest. You know, it was over the last quarter, so I just think they're hanging in there with a bit of, uh, you know, with a bit of character and a bit of grit, but uh, I just don't think that. Just uh, quickly on personnel for the Tigers too, Jaden Short um, got a test on whether he can come back from his hamstring injury. He'd be a welcome return. Uh, Co-captain Toby Nankervis, of course, still one more match to serve through his suspension. Hey, just on Max Gorn, he did it against Brisbane. He did it again against Adelaide. I, I can't remember. Is it not a bad kick for goal from a distance? But I don't think I've ever seen a guy kick the ball higher. He's like that going to the stratosphere when he gets it. What's that about? Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, in the past, he's been a horrible kick for goal from, from 20 to 40 metres out. But uh, it just shows you just got to kick through the ball. And he kicks right, he gives it a... Uh, I think he's trying to kick out one of Billy Brown's silos. It's new, so <laughs> well, there was one against the Crows. It was fairly good, like a moon watch. It was unbelievable. Anyway, um, no, look, he's, he's in terrific form, and he does. He really responds to that uh, number one ruck mantle, I'm going to take it on my shoulders sort of thing. Um, played uh, a, a terrific game and a great leader for him. He is. I'll go for Melbourne by uh, 18 points. What do you reckon? Uh, Melbourne by 15. Okay, so we're pretty close on that one. I was just thinking, uh, as I said that before, Rocket, uh, we don't seem to talk about the battle for the wooden spoon. Now, maybe maybe there's too much um, good stuff attached to winning a wooden spoon now, i.e. Uh, 
number one draft pick and maybe a priority pick or whatever. Either way, uh, West Coast are on the bottom on one win. North Melbourne, uh, second bottom with two wins. If West Coast are going to get off the bottom, obviously this is a game they have to win. And it's 4.40pm Eastern Standard Time in Perth at Optus Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Uh, one and seventeen, the Eagles. They lost to Carlton by seventy-one points. North of two and sixteen, they lost to St Kilda by eight points and have now lost sixteen games in a row. How do the two sides go against each other? North have won the last three, and one of those two wins, of course, was against the Eagles in round one by five points at Marvel Stadium. What about West Coast on their apparently? Formidable home turf. Well, no, not formidable at all. They've lost 21 of their last 23 games at Optus Stadium. And North go at Optus Stadium. Their three wins and four losses and their last visit to this venue indeed also resulted in a win. It was a one-point win over Fremantle in round two, which was their last win of the season. Let's do the injury. So let's do the traditional West Coast injury roll call. Only 13 on it. Now that's a mere pittance compared to what it was early in the year. Barras, Burgill, Cully, Edwards, Ginby, Jones, McGovern, Nat Mui, oh, Nat Mui, Ryan, Shuey, Waterman, West, Yo. Um, let's, uh, Ginby uh, has had a minor procedure to help print, prevent any reoccurrence of his unusual hamstring injury. Uh, but he's done and dusted. Barras uh, probably won't get up. McGovern ticking off each step in the concussion protocols. Uh, Shuey hamstring again. Jeez, his future would be pretty dodgy, I reckon. Uh, let's talk about North. They're hopeful that Simpkin will return from a second concussion of a season. Uh, Callum Coleman-Jones still doubtful as he recovers from a second concussion. Shields out for the next Fortnight, Lazaro, Perez and Powell facing fitness tests later this week. Uh, in fact, both clubs, just injuries are an absolute byword for both those clubs at the moment. Right? What, what, from North? For? what about North? North, North there that Zerha he didn't play last week. Is he? Zerha, uh, four or five weeks, uh, ankle injury. So no Zerha, no North Melbourne as usual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you start. Oh. I honestly don't know who to pick. I the, the West Coast Eagles have been absolutely horrible. Uh, like they've been, they've been lamentable, uh, and they were uh, they were again last week. But they're at home. Mentally, I think they can win this game. North was fantastic last week, um, but they spent all their petrol tickets. You know, they got a couple of injuries. They did really well last week without their injured players. They're a travel young side. Yet you certainly. Tempted to pick the Eagles at home. Uh, you throw the form right out the window completely and just go on the emotional side. Um, but I won't do that. I was tempted, but I, I think North Melbourne, Simpkin gets back, um, gives them a chance to, to win. But I think the Eagles will batten down the hatches and try to win this game because they won't lose bottom spot if they do if they do win this game. So I think they're a bit. So you can go either way. It's a toss of the coin for me. I'm quite surprised by the odds um, in this game, to be honest, which at the moment we don't make a habit of doing the odds, but uh, West Coast paying $2.10 to the win and North Melbourne paying $1.77. 
I'm not necessarily surprised that North is favourite, but I wouldn't have thought there'd be that great a d- disparity because I think, you know, the Eagles will just think, well, this is our big chance to win another game. And North Melbourne, they poured everything into that game against St Kilda last week, couldn't get over the line. Does that mean that they go even harder again or does it sort of take the bottom out of everything? You know, that's my fear with them. Yeah, that's the same with me. Yeah, and travel young team, it's like, uh, and there might be, in a funny way, a bit of pressure on them that they should win this game. Mm. Just do they cope with that? Never been in that situation. Yeah, I don't know. And I think the Eagles will probably rally a bit because the home crowd they did that, that the other the other game, however they was a secure again. I think that they were in it until three quarter time, and then and then they lost that away. Yeah, I, I don't know who to pick to be honest. But uh, I think without Shirley and Sim, if Simpkins back, I'll go for North Melbourne. North Melbourne, right, I just went. By how much? Second points. I was just waiting. I was just sort of hand, holding off till you had to felt obliged to go with your tip, and then I was just going to do the opposite. So, um, <laughs> I said, Joy, you're a sniper. That's the way. <laughs> I'm going to go for West Coast to win this one just by four points and give what? the Eagles a long awaited six. I, th- I, thought you'd, I thought you'd go off. So, Scott got nine miles. Did you get nine last night? No, I got nine last week. Yeah, picked all the close ones. So well, no. Like, oh, well, that would have bridged the gap to about a dozen between. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is uh, the end of round twenty as we tick ever closer to the uh, finals. Uh, thanks for your company, everyone. Enjoy your footy. Hope your team gets a win, and if they don't, well, it's just a game. As long as you come back and listen to us, we don't mind what happens. Really, football will be the real winner, as will the use of stupid cliches like that. Uh, Good stuff, Rocket, and uh, we'll see everyone next week.